Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au, or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO Radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Brent Thomas from the Paranormal Portal. And a lot of you will know Brent Thomas. He has that great show. He actually featured on his show a couple of weeks ago, and I ran one of his episodes on our feed here. So a lot of you have probably listened to that. But something you don't know about Brent is he's probably had one of the most fascinating ufo encounters that i've ever heard he's also had a handful of ghost experiences and he's had a close encounter with a sasquatch and brent joins us on the show today to talk about all of those brent welcome to the show mate hey brother thanks for having me it's a great pleasure and and it's always fun to be on the believe podcast oh mate the honor is all mine and i still can't get over your your ufo encounter it it blows me away (laughs) you know it was it was i i don't know why it happened i don't know uh, other than like i said when i was on the show before it was one of those things i've always looked for and i was always so kind of disappointed that i never saw anything even you know remarkable i never saw anything other than you know just the beautiful natural beauty of the night sky and then suddenly to be face to face with that was just like wow (laughs) it's it's just i guess with any of this stuff when it happens it happens and there's no rhyme or reason or trying to rationalize it it's just you're either in the right place at the right time or you're not and i think you've really got to revel in the moment too because this is a something very very special that happened and it doesn't happen to a lot of people so for it to happen to you is quite extraordinary and i think it you should kind of wear it as a, a badge of honor which a lot of people don't when they see these things, they kind of close up and don't ever really talk about it. Because I tell you what, if I had an experience like yours, I'll be on the news, I'll be pushing it everywhere. I want everyone to know about <laughs> it because it is amazing. 
you know, and it, but if you think about the the whole situation, um, I guess I never really wanted to be at the forefront of anything like that anyway, other than doing a show. And this was long before I started doing a show, but, um, it was, it was always my, my pursuit of the paranormal has always been, you know, very selfish. I guess it's just to reaffirm to myself that there's still magic and mystery in the world, you know, to put it, you know, very lightly. I mean, it's just, but in, you know, in that situation, if I hadn't, hadn't by chance been looking through night vision binoculars, I would never have known it was there. I would never have been any the wiser. And it was just by that odd chance of me having, having those at my disposal and being out looking at the night sky and the, the craft just happening to be there at that moment, it was just the perfect storm. So, but you know, and it's, but it's not something I shy away from either. Since doing the show, you know, I'm, I, I've talked about it many times and, and I, I think it's important because uh, doing a show like, like we do, our audiences are, you know, constantly putting themselves out there and saying, Hey, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. Blew me away. I don't know how to handle it and stuff. And and so I think that instances like this have really helped me to bridge that, that chasm, so to speak. And, you know, they can understand that I really do understand because I've seen things that I can't wrap my head around. I, I can't rationalize and I can't uh, discard it either. So it, it does build that commonality and that kindred spirit, you know, to the listeners as well. Most definitely, mate. Well, do you mind kind of just retelling that story? Because I know there'll be a couple of new listeners that we have on board who um, who maybe have missed that. So can you give me a, a quick retelling of this? I'm going to say one of the best UFO stories I've ever heard. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to, and, you know, I'm at the, it's one of those stories that doesn't even ever get old for me to tell it as well. Um, the situation was I used to telecommute for a company. I worked out of uh, my home in Minnesota and, uh, I worked for a company that did preparedness stuff. And so oftentimes I would have to travel around to wherever things were going on with the company. And at this time, uh, the company was headquartered in the town that I now live in the very North of Idaho. And so I had to fly in to do a bunch of business with the company and, and such. And rather than them book me a hotel room, the owner of the company had bought this mountain house, cabin house, and had put a bunch of money into it and, and a bunch of uh, resources and had made it ready for he and his family to live in. But they hadn't quite transitioned in there yet. And he's like, you know, um, rather than put you up in a hotel here in the town, do you want to just stay up in our mountain cabin? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be great. You know, sitting, uh, you know, I'm a Midwestern guy and being able to like have some time up in the mountains, I thought was just really cool. So I took him up on the offer and that's where I stayed. And, uh, as I was there, uh, I knew he had these night vision binoculars cause we had talked about it, you know, several times and how cool was that? So I wanted to go outside, uh, at night when it was all dark and quiet, it was a beautiful, I think it was late spring, uh, re- late spring in 2014, I think I've been thinking a lot about when it was, cause I want to be able to, you know, put a, put a timestamp to all of this. So, um, it was still really cold out, but the snow was mostly melted. And especially when you're up in the mountains, it's really cold. But, uh, the, the night sky up there was just so incredibly bright and, uh, just came alive with the light of the stars and, and the partial moon. And, uh, so I, I thought, well, you know, I want to go out, to, out, out there on the porch and stargaze. Cause I knew that most of the stars in our, in our galaxy are actually red and they don't, they're, they're not really visible with the naked eye. So 
I went out there with these night vision binoculars and they were four, four power binoculars. So it's not like, you know, 20 or, you know, whatever power binoculars that people use for uh, bird watching and stuff. So they're four power, but they were night vision. So uh, generation one night vision, as a matter of fact, and uh, <clears throat> I was out on the porch. I look up at the night sky and it was just alive with these whole, whole new groups of stars that I'd never seen before. And I was just marveling at the fact that I couldn't recognize constellations anymore because of the, the inclusion of all these other stars that I wouldn't normally be seeing. And it was just really, really amazing. So I'm looking around the night sky for a while. And then being, as I've never really had the opportunity to play with night vision before, I started looking around the valley because the house was situated on one side of a valley up on the mountain. And uh, then they went down to eventually down to a stream about 300 yards down. Um, and there's a stream running down there. Uh, it was called Trout Creek, as a matter of fact. And then there would be, of course, the opposing uh, mountain wall going up on the other side of the valley. And so I look it over at the opposing side of the valley and, and just thought it was so neat that I could make out all the individual pine trees and stuff over there and how much detail I was able to perceive with these with these night vision binoculars. And I'm playing around, looking around, looking around. And then I look around on the side of the of the valley that I'm on, the house, and I look down the, the driveway, which is a switchback driveway. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm looking down the, the, the really dark part of the driveway because there's so many uh, huge conifer trees that there, no light is getting down there. It's just this black hole. But with the night vision binoculars, I can see all the way down there. I thought, wow, this is really cool. Um, and just having a good time. And then suddenly I pan up with the night vision binoculars and there was a huge tree I'm panning up. I get to the top of it and about 30 feet above it, lo and behold, there's this flying saucer sitting there. And it's literally the two proverbial pie plates, you know, uh, stacked uh, face to face, sitting there floating in the air, absolutely silent. And instead of, you know, instead of being the traditional, like most saucers you see are just like this pinched edge where it just comes to a point. Well, this had like the two pie plates, but there were these panels in between the two pie plates that were flashing lights going around in the circle. These panels would light up in a circular motion around the craft. I was like, what, <laughs> what is this? You know, like I've told you all my life, I believed in this stuff. I really believe that there's, you know, probably things out there. And I've been looking at the stars my whole life, wondering why I never see anything like that. And there it was. It was right in front of me and it was huge. And I'm talking, it was about 100, 150 yards away, roughly. Um, and again, I'm looking at it through these four power uh, binoculars and it's there. It's right there above the trees and all this time, all this journey looking. And there it was and sitting there quietly, stationary, right above the trees, not moving, not making a sound, not doing anything, just sitting there above the trees. And I'm, I'm beside myself because. There it is. It's no longer a question. There's no longer any, any, uh, you know, reason to guess about whether it's true or not. It's there. I know it's there. And I'm absolutely, you know, for lack of a better term, gobsmacked. It's just right there. And then I thought, I got to see this with my own eyes. So I'm looking at it above the pine trees with the binoculars. I lower the binoculars to see it with my own eyes. There's nothing above that tree. There's nothing there. It's just blank sky. And again, there was enough ambient light. Um, that you could make out uh, pretty decently for the for the dark, as dark as it was, you could still see things reasonably well. And besides, the thing was emitting light in the binoculars. I could see these flashing lights going around. I should be seeing a Christmas tree there, but there's nothing. And I put up the binoculars, it's there. I take down the binoculars, it's not there. 
and I'm doing this back and forth like, oh my God, this is amazing. They can hide from us. It just occurred to me, they can sit there in plain sight and never be seen, never be observed. And it was just by chance I happened to be using night vision binoculars. So apparently they could cloak themselves to our native light frequencies that we perceive, but they were obviously were visible in the infrared spectrum. So there it was. And I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm, I'm comparing without with without with the binoculars. And then it occurred to me that I'm alone up in this up in this valley. There's not nobody around <laughs> for miles and miles. And I'm sitting there. I'm like the only thing going on in this whole valley. And I'm sitting there looking at them. Chances are they're sitting there looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I didn't really have have feel like I was in the mood for any probing or anything. <laughs> it would have made the hair on the back of your neck stand up once you kind of had that little bit of realization <laughs> of what was going on. It was, it was exactly that. I was just like, Oh God. Okay. I'm going to go inside. I've had enough. And I go inside, I lock the doors and I, and I, and I turn out the lights and I'm just sitting there uh, and I go up on the bed and I'm sitting there for hours, but I am spending an awful lot of time peeking out the blinds to see, around the house to see if anybody's coming for a visit. But as far as I know, that was the whole experience. Yeah. It's but absolutely, absolutely incredible. incredible, mate. Yeah, it really was. It was one of those, you know, one in a billion, maybe, I don't know. But it, I was just really honored to have had that experience. And in that moment there, you, you always thought UFOs were real and all that, that kind of, I guess, uh, genre was, was, was real. But when you saw it there, it did your world just kind of collapse and go, this is definite. You know, I don't, I don't think it really collapsed as much as it was like validation that I wasn't just being silly for having these beliefs for the belief in these things, because I'd really believe they were there. I've heard, you know, all of the shows and, and several books about people experiencing these fantastic things. And I was like, yeah, you know, I really think they could be there, but you kind of feel a little bit apprehensive about having a belief like that because it's a controversial belief. But at that point it was real. It was just, okay, they are really here. There it is. And it was right in front of me. So um, I didn't really feel like it was, it was anything other than validation. It's it's an absolutely amazing encounter, and the fact that you got to see it so close is uh, it's incredible. The fact that you could see so much detail on this craft, because a lot of people when they have these these types of encounters, their brain is that they and you know this, they have them from miles away. They usually see them hundreds of meters in the in the sky. Um, but from the sounds of yours, yours was you know maybe literally twenty meters away from you, or or something like that. And to, to see the detail you got was incredible. Yeah, it was really amazing. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, I still look at the night sky, but it is also kind of disconcerting to think that they could be always around us in broad daylight. They could be floating right above you and you wouldn't know. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of revelation was, a, was a bit unnerving. Well, not even that. I mean, you can also apply the, the thought process to what if these, what if what was piloting this this craft, if it was being piloted, what if they operate on the, the infrared spectrum as well? Well, you know, that's a good question. I, that's a great uh, a great observation. And uh, honestly, I can say I've never considered that. But that, you know, that stands to reason, I guess. Uh, why not? Um, perhaps that's their native band of light that they that they're perceiving and existing in. And that could really, I guess, raise a lot of questions to, I guess, other paranormal encounters people have. Could they just be encountering beings that are operating in a different light spectrum? Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal observation. Um, you know, my hat's off to you. 
that has never occurred to me. That's brilliant. So uh, next time you feel like something's watching you, it might just actually be uh, maybe a, a creature from another galaxy or another world just in the, uh, in, in the infrared realm. I'll tell you what, the first thing I did after this, after this experience when I got home, was I went on Amazon and ordered a pair. So I got a pair now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. After that, I'll just be sitting in the backyard looking at the sky the entire time, even just to see the, uh, the other galaxies that you just don't get to see. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I will say that since I've had them, I've gone out and I actually recorded a, a little anomaly that I did catch right outside of my door. Um, maybe it was in 2016. I went outside and I was just testing it. So the one the one failing of this of this design was that there's no way to record. So whatever experience you have is a personal experience only. There's no way to to, um, you know, quantify that for other people and say, look, I can show you this because they don't record. But what I did was I rigged up a, a knockoff of a GoPro into one of the eyepieces and went outside and just started recording the night sky. And I caught something uh, that I can't explain. And it's not nearly as profound as this, but it it is a light that is moving away from me. It's a solid big light silently moving away. And uh, it was, I was facing uh, north outside of my door and it was heading from uh, southwest to northeast moving away from me and it was still a bright light. So I know, I, I know, first of all, I wasn't hearing it. So I know it wasn't just a, a normal aircraft. Secondly, normal aircraft don't have lights pointing out their back. They, they have landing lights and uh, you know, that's to see the runway or whatever to, to, to be seen by the towers, but they don't point lights out their back. So whatever this was, it's a steady light moving just quietly across the sky. And I did record it and I have, a, I use that, during the paranormal portal on Friday, Saturday nights, we have to run breaks because we're we're on the network. And so the the second break, or no, the first break that I run on the first half hour break, uh, it has the the green uh uh infrared footage of that event. Wow, that's amazing because I, I regularly try to uh watch a you your YouTube channel because it kind of airs around the uh the lunch break period for me. So oh, cool. Yeah, I try to I try to get on there um nearly every day that you do it because you and um you and Don are a couple of madmen and you you broadcast 7 days a week <laughs> along with doing three podcast episodes on top of that. So you are you almost have very understanding partners, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty forgiving. Uh, you know, it's it's a a good a good life, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Now, what do you think is um these lights are do you think they're do you think they're from out of this world do you think it might be something man-made do you think it's just the next step in um technology for for our military to move into this infrared spectrum i you know it's a the the thing is is um if it was a triangle and i and i saw it i could i could say you know what maybe it's one of the tr3bs that everybody talks about that's a reverse engineered craft allegedly um but the fact that it was a saucer and uh had no observable propulsion at all. It was just a saucer floating there with these panels of light going around and invisible to their native spectrum. To me, that seems to seems to at least imply. And and I I don't pretend I know you know what we're capable of or what kind of black projects are out there. But the fact that it was it was cloaked in our normal light spectrum had no observable um, pro, pro, uh, um, propulsion. <laughs> It's got stuck in that word. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a saucer type craft. Um, I just really don't think it was ours, but you know, I, I guess it could be, um, I don't know. 
it's it's hard to say, brother. It, it really is. And I mean, technology is advancing quite quickly. I mean, you just have to look at how quickly technology's advanced over the last 50 years. It's um, it's it's skyrocketing and it's it kind of makes you wonder, are they lending this technology from something else or are we really just genuinely making these gigantic scientific leaps in, um, I guess, in our evolution? Yeah. You know, and, and then there's the 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 story I think we all have heard that, you know, the computers you have at home are incredible, but the ones that the military has are at least 30 years advanced to that. And so you start thinking, wow, what exactly do they have? Yeah, it's uh, it kind of makes me excited because I'm a bit of a tech head too. So um, I'm <laughs> always uh, always looking for the next best thing as well. So that's uh, that gets me very, very excited. I want to hear more. I want to hear about your Sasquatch encounter because I was not aware of this. Yeah, now this, this story happened when I was about 14 years old. And uh, I used to live right next to a state park, uh, state forest preserve in Minnesota. And it was pretty common for us. We we lived very, uh, very much out in the country. So uh, we spent a lot of our time in this forest preserve and uh, monkeying around just being kids. So I was 14 and we, a good friend of mine and I were hiking up this, the bluff and they call them bluffs. I don't know if you're familiar with the term bluff, but it's just basically a a short rounded top mountain. And uh, we were hiking up there and of course it's all forest and and such there. Um, not really, really far away from, from, uh, homes and stuff, but a, a comfortable cushion anyway. And we're hiking up this ravine. We got up on top of the hill and we're just being kids rolling down rocks and, and, you know, being stupid, uh, <laughs> just burning up a summer day and it's starting getting dark. And so we're like, you know, we got to really start working our way down because you, you don't want to be trapped on the, in a forest in the dark at night when it's, there's no light. Um, so we, uh, we started working our way down and we're working down this ravine. It's a dry run. Uh, it, the only time it ever runs with water is during the spring melt, but it's, you know, it's, it's quite a significant ravine with dried up waterfalls and stuff. And so we're hiking down and we get to this one spot, which is kind of like a, it's a dried up waterfall that has about a, you know, a, a, I don't know, eight foot rise, uh, above some, some boulders below it. And, and then a bunch of rocky stream bed that's all dried up. And we stopped there and we were catching our breath. And suddenly we were both standing there right on the edge of this waterfall looking forward. And we hear this most deep, horrifying growl that I, I have ever heard in my life. And, and it was so powerful, so deep that it vibrated me as much as I was hearing it. My whole body was shaking. Oh, wow. With this rumbling. And it was, it was like right behind us about... Uh, right behind us and above us. So uh, what I think, what I- Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Whatever it was was standing right behind us and growling. And it was it was just like so close. and. I'm here to tell you, Cade, uh, you know, I didn't ever see it, 
but I, I could not make myself turn around because whatever was behind me, I knew with every fiber of my being was about to kill me. And I didn't want to see what that looked like. I mean, I just thought, I thought I was dead. How close was it to you, do you think? I would say it was within the eight to 10 foot range. Oh, wow. That's really close. It's really, really close. And and I don't know. I mean, we just came down this, this bed and there was, didn't seem like there was anywhere for it to hide, but it was just suddenly there. And it was just right behind us and just this deep menacing growl. And it was the most terrifying sound I've ever heard in my life. I mean, even now as I'm thinking about it, I'm getting chills, you know, just thinking about it. But uh, we were both frozen. We couldn't move. And and finally, I, I asked my friend, I said, what is that? And he said, I don't know, but we got to get the hell out of here. And suddenly, you know, I mean, there's the, the whole flight or, fr- fight or flight thing, right? And, you know, the thing was, is whatever was making that sound was well out of our fight category. And we both knew that, that whatever was making that kind of sound was not something we could fight. There was just, it would just, it was just unreasonable to even think that. So the only thing left was flight and people say, don't run, but what else is there? I mean, either you stay there and let it do whatever it's going to do, or you at least take a shot at it. So we just took the shot at it and just flew down this boulder field, jumping from rock to rock and just got out of there, never looking back once. But um, it was, it was the most incredibly menacing sound I've heard. And I, this area that I grew up in kid, like the biggest thing we have is white tailed deer. So whatever this was didn't belong. It wasn't part of the natural fauna that we knew growing up and being in those forests, you know, every day of every summer. Yeah. Right. Um, so there was no natural predators to that area nothing. or anything like that. Not even black bear in that area. Wow. Uh, they're there, there's just nothing there except deer. Uh, there's coyotes, but um, nothing that could have made that sound. And for years and years and years, I mean, at this time in my life, kid, I didn't have, I didn't have a concept of what it was. I just knew that whatever it was is huge, and and it had the worst menacing growl I've ever heard. I knew that I knew that there was Bigfoot in the world, but I, I only, the only reason I knew that was because Leonard Nimoy on In Search of told me that they were in the Washington uh, forests out on the coast. I'm in Midwest, you know, United States. There's not supposed to be anything like that over there. And, you know, I, I had no, no scope for whatever this was. So for years, I carried this around in my head, just going something really big growled at us and we don't know what it is. We got out of there. We were fine, but it was the most terrifying experience of my young life by a long shot. I mean, I was going to die. How old and were you when, when it happened? 14. Wow. I was 14. So, you know, I, I carried that through my years. And I'll tell you, it was the, the first time I heard something that reminded me of the, the intensity and the, the scale of that growl was, honest to God, the movie Jurassic Park when that big T-Rex comes down to the window it's eyeballs going right inside of the window with that little girl in there. Yeah. yeah. Deep growl. And I was, I just got chills in the theater and it, my heart just started racing. I was like, I kind of know what that feels like, you know? And I didn't know what it could be for, for many, many years until I finally eventually started getting into the whole research of, of Bigfoot. And I found out that they're everywhere. They're not just in, in, uh, you know, the, the Pacific coast They're they're everywhere. There's reports uh, in every state of the U.S. except for uh, Hawaii. And then I started learning what some researchers say, you know, is is things that they do, like tree breaks and uh, different uh, structures and, and such. And I went back to the same woods and I started finding tree breaks. 
and I started finding, you know, uh, these sapling branches broken off and, and the bark peeled off of them, you know, from like eight feet up in the air and, and things like that. And I was like, oh my God, that, that might, that all of a sudden might explain what that growl was that I heard so many years ago. And did you have another, any other encounters with uh, anything similar in that area or was that kind of the, the only one? You know, <laughs> I think, I think that there are uh, things going on in that area and I'll tell you a story. Uh, after having that experience and after seeing some of the signage, I actually found a structure up in those woods too. It was a very low structure, but it was totally concealed by a huge boulders from anything downhill of it. It was just this really rudimentary structure built out of these sticks and and uh, not a cut not a cut stick in the whole bunch. It was all broken. These huge branches and stuff were snapped, and they created a structure. And uh, um, it was my brother uh, probably. 15 years ago or, or so was telling me he was, he was deer hunting and, uh, he said, he said he was bow hunting and, and, uh, he, he had this really big buck come up and he was hunting in the same region and he said he got it. He, he, he drew back and got a really good long shot on this, on this big buck. And he said it was bleeding out huge, it had air bubbles in the blood, you know, so he knew it was a long shot and, and it was just huge blood trail. And he said he followed it for probably a, a few hundred yards through the thick scrubby brush that it ran through. Well, well, he waited for a friend to come and then they both uh, went to track it. Cause you know, they, there was nobody else hunting in the area. He said he got to the end where this blood trail just stopped. And he said, there couldn't have been any blood left in this thing. It should have been right there laying down, but there was nothing. There was nothing, not even a gut pile. Like somebody else found it and dressed it out and carried it out. Cause you know, uh, Minnesota deer, uh, white-tailed deer is probably like 150 pounds fully dressed. And so, you you know, you got or 150, maybe even, you know, 180 pounds. But, you know, you dress them out, you pull out all the insides and just leave them. But there was nothing there. No tracks, nothing. Just in, it, to, this deer just disappeared. Now, in in learning and researching about the, the Bigfoot, many hunters talk about the fact that they believe Bigfoot have taken their kills. You know, it's the situations just like that. So I think they're still in the area. I just, I don't think they're there all the time. I think that they migrate through in certain periods of the year from maybe the far north down to uh, some warmer south. But uh, yeah, I think they're there. Yeah, I definitely think that the, you know, the Bigfoot, the Yowie, the Sasquatch creature, I definitely think it is a, I think it's a creature that definitely travels. Um, mm-hmm. you know, de- depending on its food sources, um, or, you know, water sources or anything like that, because I mean, the, the areas that these creatures are in, they're always vastly different because I mean, if we try to compare the, the Yowie's habitat to the Sasquatch's, um, habitat, it, it's similar, but also very, very different in the sense that some, some Yowie's are basically out in the, the driest parts of Australia and, and they, they seem to adapt and cope. Um, and then you find Yowies that are basically in the same area that I live in the basically tropical rainforest and yeah. they, they adapt just as well. So it makes me wonder if these creatures are traveling to, to different areas of, you know, their, I guess, I guess surrounding areas to, um, to, to constantly survive. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. And, and you know, there's no question in my mind that these are the most adaptable creatures on the face of the earth that they can exist in any climate that our earth has to offer. And uh, some people say, well, people are, people are adaptable too. And it's like, no, we're not. We move into an area and we create things that recreate the comfort that we want. Yeah, exactly. But they actually go and live and flourish 
in the hardest, darkest climates in the in our earth and do just fine. Yeah, I, I like to think that um, us humans are probably the softest creatures in um, all of existence. <laughs> <laughs> We're a bunch of cream puffs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no question. So, mate, I want to hear about your ghost experiences because um, this one probably hits a little bit closer to home because you said you've uh, you've started to encounter some some weird things since you've started doing the podcast, and not only that, they're uh, they're actually happening in your your little studio that you've got set up. Yeah, yeah, we've got <laughs> we we've got definitely ghosts in the machine here, Cade. Um, I tell you, I've had I've had several encounters, and and sometimes I'll, I'll just you know full disclosure. I can't always differentiate them from what could just be technical problems because I got a lot of things running. I've got a lot of power and a lot of uh, electronics going and electronics can be glitchy. However, some of the problems that I've had, I can't figure out. I mean, I just can't figure out. They don't make sense. Just weird things like a Michael die, just suddenly Michael die and it won't come back on until, you know, until just suddenly it'll just come back on. Like it just had a bad mood or something. And uh, technical glitches like that, cameras weird and things falling off the wall behind me and uh, lots of strangeness like that. But now everything behind me on the wall is nailed. So, <laughs> so nothing's coming down now because I got tired of picking up the studio wall. I'd go to bed every night and then come back down and like most of the things I had hit, hit you know, on the wall with these strong adhesives were laying on the floor. I was like, okay, I'm nailing it all. So I did. And so far they're staying put. So, <laughs> so that's good. But I'll tell you, the, the most recent thing that happened was uh, I was sitting here in the studio and basically my studio room is split in half. I got a music studio on one half and the, and the actual production studio on the other half. And uh, I've got a wall of monitors in front of me. There's these, these uh, big 21, 23 inch uh, monitors in, you know, that sit on the top of my desk and then my camera's above that on a big tripod. And uh, all of a sudden I was sitting here just kind of focused on what was on the screen and I see a head coming past the top of my monitors, just like a, you know, like a head, a shadowy head. And I thought just, you know, seeing it out of my peripheral vision, oh, you know, my wife is in here. She must need to grab something. And then I watched as it came just about in front of my face, like directly in front of me and then bend down and disappear. And I'm thinking, well, what's she doing? Cause I'm not hearing her do anything on the other side of these monitors and stuff. And she's not getting up. So what the hell's going on? So I get up and walk around my monitors and I'm looking back there. Well, I forgot that whole area is full of boxes and stuff that I had been, you know, putting in or moving around as I was putting together the music studio. There was no way anybody could even walk there. And, but I clearly saw this head move. It was about a five, five foot uh, range head coming behind my monitors, bending down and disappearing. That's creepy. (laughs) That's really creepy, mate. (laughs) so that was that was one of the most that's the the most recent thing that I can remember that's come into mind. I know there's been more um but it, you know honestly when when you do a show about this stuff, I really believe that the constant mention the constant energy that goes into discussing these things probably creates a, a magnetism of sorts you know and so they they maybe key off of that and go what's going on over here you know i feel the vibes and then, so they come check it out or if We've anything been, mate, they could be really big fans of your podcast too. <laughs> well that's true and and you know i can't blame them for that okay. <laughs> uh, but you know i mean it's just that strangeness um uh, one time uh, i'll tell you there's this really weird one that happened about a year and a half ago and <laughs> i think it was about then yeah maybe a year year and a half but uh i was 
uh, see, the studio at this time was in the upstairs of the house. And uh, our my wife and my bedroom used to be in the room that the studio is in now. And so um, we... I had just gotten home or had just gotten done with everything and was coming to bed. I was absolutely exhausted. And, uh, so I, I came in and, and my, my son happened to be up. He was just a night owl for a long time and he was up way late. And so I was like, okay, you know, well, I'm going to run, use the bathroom. And so I do. And leaving my wife alone in the, in the bedroom and, uh, just outside of the bedroom, of course, there's the living room and there's a big, you know, 55 inch, uh, uh, TV out there. And, uh, I, I take my son into the, into the, uh, he's coming with me. I shouldn't say I'm taking him. He's just following me everywhere. So he's stuck to me like glue. And so of course, you know, I couldn't even go to the bathroom alone. He's right there with me and, you know, I'm washing up and just getting ready for bed, brush my teeth and, uh, the door shut. And all of a sudden my wife's on the other side of the door going, Who, who's playing around with the, the remote? I said, what do you mean? And so she says, no, the TV's on and flipping channels and, and going to menus and stuff. And I'm like, well, nobody has a remote. And I took her out in the living room and showed her it was up on top of this bookcase. Even my little boy couldn't have gotten to it. And she said, oh my God, something weird's happened. And then, and then we looked at the TV and it was frozen on this image. And she said, what, what happened was she was sitting up in bed and suddenly the TV in the, in the living room right next to her goes on. And it's within, like, she can see it out the bedroom door, clearly from where she is in bed. And uh, it started, menus started popping up. It started flipping stations. And uh, she said, hey, what are, you, what are you doing with the TV? And all of a sudden, it froze on this, this image of Charlie Sheen. And it said something, it said in, like, ghostly writing under him, infamous. And it froze on an image of Charlie Sheen looking directly into the bedroom out of the corner of his eyes in this menacing, freaking look. It froze like that. And then it was frozen like that. And this is, this is a, a live TV. It shouldn't have frozen at all, but it froze right on that image as soon as she yelled at it. And then she came and asked me who was messing with the remotes. I said, nobody who were in here brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed. Um, and I come out and I see that image on the screen. And I'm like, ooh. Oh. And so <laughs> she she made me sage the house. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're saging now. <laughs> so true story. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah. And, the, and there's no, there's no explanation for it. Why then? Why, why did it happen? Now, TVs can do weird stuff. Electronics can do weird stuff. However... The fact that when she yelled at it, it froze, it stopped and froze on an image, live TV froze and on an image of it looking at her and with the really creepy face of Charlie Sheen, <laughs> which is enough to give anybody a little bit of pause. But uh, <laughs> it was just a really creepy experience. And it was just all of the all of the 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 weirdness compiled into one tight event that makes it just not chance to my to my mind. Yeah, most definitely. Have you ever had any EVP experiences or anything while you've been recording the show or doing one of your live streams? Yeah, you know, I have, uh, I've heard things, but here's again, here's another situation where I can't be sure because of all the variables that are, that are in place during any one of my shows with the mics, the mixing board, the computer, the internet with you know, other, other factors of electronics that are going on around me. I can't be sure that it, I mean, I have never gotten something so clear that I could say that's an EVP, but I've gotten lots of auditory anomalies that seem to be one-off events that never repeat. Um, things coming through my headphones all the time when I'm doing the show, 
like I'm hearing what sounds like a voice talking sometimes or or just a, a, a noise that sounds very, very human. Um, you know, that stuff comes into my headphones quite often, actually. Yeah. But yeah. I've never gone back through and really dug into it because I really can't, you know, clinically or scientifically substantiate that it is evidence. But in my mind, it is. But I can't I could never present that as evidence to anybody else without, you know, without considering the fact that there's a lot of electronics going on and electronics can get quirky. Yeah, exactly. And it's usually one of those things that if you're not in that moment, you, you're not really going to get it or you're not going to understand it because it's, it's usually an accumulation of um, events that lead that to that scenario. So, uh, you know, you, you may have been talking about something that may have been building up spiritual energy or, or something like that. And then to try explain that to someone who, maybe has no idea of what you're talking about or how the, I guess how the, the situation was actually at that moment. It's uh, right. it can be really hard to get across the, um, the experience that you, you had without people just going, yeah, it could have just been anything really. Right. And, and you know, you, you, I'm sure run into this as well. Just the, the ferocity that people will defend their paradigm. So if, if somebody doesn't want to believe something, they will make sure that they present a reason why that can't be and and they will stick to it with their life. No matter how compelling your evidence is, they're going to, they're going to adhere to it. And and if you ever look at some of the scientific explanations for some of the phenomena going on, the, the variables that they try to offer in a scientific explanation are more profound than, than just saying it was a ghost. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, if, the uh the amount of effort that went into disproving something that went into proving something we would have a lot more evidence i think yeah exactly exactly so you know people will fero- fer- ferociously defend their paradigm and uh you know it's it's it borders on the ridiculous most of the time but you know i understand people like their they like their three dimensions they like their their walls and their lawn and and their fence and the world to make sense like they understand it and when something threatens that they will defend it just fiercely. Oh, absolutely. I just had a guy on the, um, on the podcast and he had this fantastic UFO encounter that he had with, um, two mates of his and his two mates refused to believe it happened because it, it, it shakes their world too much. Yeah. And how frustrating is that? Because for him, I'm sure it was the most amazing, profound thing, maybe scary even, and it probably, you know, if he was shook up about it, it probably would have helped to talk to his friends and get a little compassion. But, you know, instead he got, I'm sure, an earful of, of flack for, you know, even suggesting it. Yeah. And it's and it's really sad because these are people who have these real life encounters and to to be shut down by strangers is one thing. But to be shut down by the people that you have these encounters with is um, it's another. Right. No, I, I agree completely, brother. And, you know, I guess it's, it's kind of, it's kind of par for the course, I guess, because, uh, you know, people don't want to believe in this stuff because if they do, it suggests that there really isn't a reality that we know and understand anymore. There's just this, this soup of, of events that happen and sometimes weird things come out of it and, uh, it's hard to make sense of. That's exactly it, mate. That's exactly it. Well, Brent, I want to thank you for joining me today, mate. It's been, it, it was a little bit of an effort for us to kind of get our schedules aligned up. I've been, uh, I've been busy with work and you've been busy producing 20,000 shows a week, but uh, <laughs> we, we finally got it to, to line up. But um, can you uh, let my audience know where they can find a little bit more about you? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you all, uh, we don't currently have a webpage. We're working on that. And, uh, with the help of some amazing friends, um, we'll be getting that together in the near future here, but, uh, we, uh, are always on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio. Uh, we're doing seven live shows uh, a week, seven days a week, uh, at 7 PM Pacific standard time, us time, uh, every day of the week. So if you want to check out what, uh, what's what we're up to, or you want to see the magic of us doing it. <laughs> and I laugh when that point comes, because usually it's a, it's, it's a barely controlled chaos, but we have a good time doing it. Stop <laughs> over to the, to our uh, YouTube channel at paranormal, our youtube.com slash paranormal portal. And uh, be sure to check out our podcast and it's uh, on all the major podcasting networks and it's the paranormal portal podcast that's it and mate i'll leave uh links for all of that in our show notes so if anyone who's listening they want to go check you out they'll be able to uh find you just by checking your show notes on your whatever podcast app or on our website well brother i gotta thank you too because the other time i i you you and i did a show i've met a whole bunch of people that were introduced to the show from from the believed uh, audience and it's just been a real pleasure meeting you all and and thank you for all the kind words you guys have sent my way and uh, i'm just happy to have had the chance to reach out across the world and uh, get to know you guys and that's going to do it for tonight and remember if you have had an encounter get in touch with me my email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.